Welcome, one and all, to Picard, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Star Trek universe community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Bonjour, Pete. Bonjour, Matt. Bonjour, everyone. We're almost there. We're inside 36 hours, Matt, until we will see Star Trek Picard. And let me ask you, Matt, how can I watch Star Trek Picard? Pete, this a question posed by uh, the social media zizzas of Star Trek Picard. Pete, here's the answer, okay? Pretty simple. In these United States, you can watch it with your CBS All Access subscription. Uh, it will be uh, uploaded, released, whatever you want to call it, at uh, midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern. Uh, if you're watching in Canada, you have to wait until it airs on the Sky Sci-Fi channel-ish. Sorry, Canada. You know, the yeah. one that airs Discovery. Uh, that'll be at 9 p.m. And then if you're watching on Amazon Prime in 200 of the other countries on this planet, uh, it'll be up on Friday. Uh, don't know exactly what time that would be, Greenwich Mean Time, etc. But I think you should be able to wake up and uh, and see it there on Friday. So there is, Matt, and remains no CBS PR problem whatsoever that they have to tweet out how to watch their show on their service. You know, Pete, I'll say this. I think that as frustrating as all access can be, I think back to when Discovery launched and I think uh, and I look at the the streaming world now, and I think all access in the broad strokes got a lot right in terms of where things are headed. Uh, for example, having that fairly uh, close pricing between uh, with commercials and without. Uh, I think also too having uh, you know eventually now it's taken it's taken until the short tracks, but releasing these episodes um, overnight as opposed to in kind of some sort of prime time slot where there's going to be guaranteed crowding for most rabid fans i think you know thank goodness cbs figured out that that's not the way to do it either um you know there's a certain swagger a certain arrogance to cbs all access but i think they're coming around to to i don't know to, to figure things out to have a structure that that others either have or others are moving to dare i speak for matt here we are enormous fans of the content the infrastructure from which it is, through which it is delivered, not so much. We were there for the short trek centered on Saru, the brightest star. We were there at 8.30. We were there at 9 o'clock. We were there at 9.45, when now the writers of it were tweeting at the CBS Access account, like, hey, can't find it on our end either. Um, yes, they've been better in this second season of short treks, the idea of putting them overnight. The other very real possibility that I floated to Matt the other day, given the interest, this is next level interest in Star Trek Picard compared to Discovery. And again, podcasting Discovery as we do, and a very, very vocal fan base with that. But John Luke Picard is a crossover character. I got texted by, uh, a colleague who saw the Picard commercial during the football game the other night and was like, all right, give me the skinny on this. I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I got to buy a service. All right, I'm in. 
And that's a very unusual circumstance. And I think it's the viewer like that, that this show has excited. So the possibility I floated to Matt the other day, will uh, CBS All Access have some uh, technical difficulties on Thursday? And if that's going to happen, then the rollout at 3.01 a.m. Pacific is definitely a good idea to kind of stagger that viewing. I can't speak for Matt, but I will be watching that in the wee early hours. Uh, I completely agree with what you're saying in terms of if somebody forgets to upload the episode, uh, you know, and it's not up until 30 minutes or 60 minutes after it's supposed to be, it's going to get a lot less noticed. And certainly most people aren't going to be like, where's my 3 a.m. Eastern? You know, let's not forget the Eastern half of the United States has like three quarters of the population. So that midnight Pacific launch has your tech people working late to make sure that there are no problems, but it also ensures that a big chunk of your audience is just going to be asleep or is going to say, you know what? I won't get up at 3 a.m., but I'll get up at 5 a.m., that sort of thing. Um, there's a reason why Netflix has been doing this since 2012. There's a reason that they chose that as a time slot. I think it's for that very reason of it spreads out the the, the crowd a bit. You know, CBS All Access I think in its haughty rush with season one of discovery to win the time slot in a period of time where now there are no more time slots. It's just, are you maintaining monthly subscriptions? They were so eager to get that 8:30 PM win versus just, can we get this up where people feel like they can watch it reliably? I mean, yes, Pete, there was that missed short track, but also think, for all of season one and two for Discovery, it was like, all right, well, they say 8.30, some are up at 8, sometimes it's 8.05. Okay, it's on my phone, but not on my streaming stick. It's on, And that's just added, I don't know, stress. I mean, stress is strong. It's added angst for a product that you're excited about versus I can wake up at some point on Thursday and watch this episode and, you know, ditto for the international audience with uh, Prime on Friday. What's the spoiler policy, Matt, on something like that? I was uh, pulled into a conversation Sunday morning on Twitter, you know, spoilers. Okay, an episode airs. What's a reasonable time frame in which people can talk about it? I reflected a little bit on the uh, the child from Mandalorian and how, you know, Two days later, the Star Wars account was tweeting out images and, and memes of the character that's come to be known uh, lovingly as Baby Yoda. I think on the third day, it is OK, um, <laughs> because I, mean, I think it boils down to this. If you were watching, you know, pick your pick your live airing thing. If you're watching the Super Bowl, the Game of Thrones finale, the MASH finale, whatever it is. I mean, obviously MASH predating time shifting. I'm being a bit sarcastic here. But if you are the world's biggest Game of Thrones fan, but darn it, your parents didn't know about it when they picked that flight and you need to pick them up at the airport, but you just love yourself some Game of Thrones, you should be watching it that night. And if you know what, because their flight got delayed and this and that, the other, you can't watch it until the next day then okay Pete, you, you know you can kind of go into work uh, i haven't seen you i'm going to see it after work today i'm gonna you know you kind of have that 24-hour grace period i think that you know 
people, ardent fans will be watching this late Thursday evening because life, because schedules, because it is the 21st century and we do have access to this on streaming. It's not clear the decks and be in front of your TV at 8 p.m. Uh, so I feel like Friday is the extra grace period where whatever, whatever, and then come Saturday, at least, you know, I'm saying 20, uh, 48 hours, uh, obviously I'm leaning more towards the United States end. I think come Saturday morning, it's middle of the day in Europe, everybody should be on the same page at that point, at least in terms of, you know, uh, social media. I wouldn't necessarily, ooh, Pete, Friday night, let's tweet at Fred Netherlands and say, oh my goodness, can you believe they killed bleep, bloop, blop? Because that might spoil him, but to sit and say, oh man, can you believe what happened in this episode? I feel like that's fair game. R.I.P. Bleep, bloop, blop. So when will we be podcasting our uh, episodes, Matt? We're going to be podcasting Star Trek Picard Saturday mornings in the East Coast of the United States. So if you are a Fred in the, in the Netherlands, if you are listening in Europe or Australia or anywhere else that the mighty prime touches, you know, by, let, let me put it this way, by Saturday morning, your time, we, maybe not we hours, by breakfast time, you should be getting your thoughts into the podcast. If you're in the U.S., honestly, same policy. A um, little bit of wiggle room there, but yeah, Saturday mornings, we're going to talk about it. Uh, Saturday mornings, you should be, be that should be the, the cutoff point to get thoughts in. So you definitely want to be like our Dutch friend in the United Federation of Planets, That see what I did there, and make sure you get your feedback into us for our Saturday morning recording time. We'll be dropping those episodes, the first one coming at you Saturday, January 25th. So let's turn our discussion now to preview the series. I don't think Sir Patrick Stewart's return to this character for the first time since 2002 really requires much more of an introduction. Yeah, and I mean, to think that no one was expecting this when he stepped out at uh, Star Trek Las Vegas in early August 2018, and here we are. Uh, there had been some pretty firm rumblings prior to that. Let me put it this way. It was much before that. It certainly was not on anyone's uh, radar, and the fact that we're this close to it, and I know, Pete, that we've We've sliced and diced this cast, at least the main cast, as opposed to the recurring and uh, returning cast. This, you know, the the new people to the cast. We've kind of sliced and diced it as Picard and somebody middle aged and a bunch of young models that can do modely <laughs> things for years, nay, decades to come. In terms of, oh no, we need to beam down, and I'm hot, and my shirt has come off. I'm a dude with muscles. And I think there's been a little, not quite poo-pooing, but it's like, okay, that has been noticed. Um, then, you know, you factor in the returning cast, and it'll be great to catch up with them. And I think expectations have been set in terms of the PR has been out there front and center with Data, Seven, Hugh, Riker, Troy. Uh, but I don't think anyone's expectation is at the end of the at the end of the first episode, Picard sits in. The, the loaned ship and says, Mr. Data 2.0, take us out. And Seven's standing on the horseshoe behind him. And Hugh is at, uh, is at Ops. And Riker's next to him. And Troy's on the other side. Like, 
that's not the show that we're expecting. We're expecting something new. And I think that they've kind of nailed the expectational sweet spot accordingly. Well, because it's Star Trek, Matt, there is, of course, controversy. Because after uh, Star Wars fans, who gets angrier at the thing they love than Star Trek fans? And um, Sir Patrick made a comment and said that this is not the next generation. I refuse to use the acronym TNG. Matt, Matt will, and I will give him stink eye when he does. And people lost their minds. What? What? This is not the next generation? And he said Brexit and also referenced the current president of the United States? What? I'm not, I'm not watching it. I'm not even going to pirate it. <laughs> it's difficult to know online. I guess there's three categories of of uh people in general how about certainly geeky people there's the people who genuinely feel how they feel there's the people who affect or who, who turn the volume up to 11 on how they feel in order to get online attention and then and then there's people that must know that they're making fake stuff for clicks you know i'm looking at some of the prominent anti-Star Trek, Star Trek YouTubers who week after week talk about how they're not... Please don't YouTube. use the word prominent. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> if look... By if by prominent, you mean consistently begging great God algorithm on YouTube to monetize their videos, then uh, perhaps we would change prominent to despondent? My point being this. If you are on social media and you're seeing... You know, either of that, Pete, I won't even deign to give uh, descriptive uh, synonyms for those people, lest somebody accidentally come across them. But, you know, one's a guy, one's a gal. And, you know, just it, it must be at a point where it's like, you know, oh, I'm going to STLV to lead the walkout of the Picard thing. Oh, did you go? Y yeah, but I didn't make it to the Picard panel because... Uh... I actually like Star Trek and I was at the bar or I was talking, you know, whatever it is, they know that they're full of it, but it is a little scary that there is this center aisle of people who are like, wait, classic Trek isn't about, uh, isn't about anybody who's different than me. You know, good old American Christian William Shatner, you know, <laughs> he, he led the way and why can't they do that always? Wait, William Shatner is not Jewish and from Canada. I refuse to believe, you know, like the people who the people who don't know that Star Trek is a super political show. And it's like, oh, well, but you pointed out, uh, let that be your last battlefield. And that was very subtle. Really, in 1969, <laughs> it was subtle to have the, the half black per. Let me this way. It's subtle when you watch it and you're nine and you're like, oh, they look the same because they got weirdo cake makeup. And when they go, oh, he is black on this side and white on the other. And I'm white on this side and black on the other. That's when you go, oh, my own shortcomings didn't see this. But now this is an episode about uh, race relations in 1969. Same thing about episode after episode after episode after episode of TNG. And if people want to claim that that's not the case, then I'm sorry that you were too young to understand that when you're watching it. And I'm even more sorry that Star Trek's message, its real message, did not penetrate you back at that age. It was even less the next generation of an action 
show of the week than the original series. And the meditative and highbrow discourse, this was a show that rightfully earned an Emmy nomination and, and broke through. Um, with these discourses and these thoughtful episodes, yes, once in a while there's a masks in season seven, which is about masks. But, you know, who watches the watchers and all these other very ahead of their time types of stories on these issues? I mean, it's almost as if the mirror is holding itself up for the reflection this idea that people are like what he said that this show that he's on is not going to be the previous show so what it's it's gonna have action now i mean <laughs> it's not gonna be the enterprise each week on an exploration miss they're still gonna explore relax you know i i sent Matt, uh, via text, somebody brilliantly put together a Star Trek Picard bingo card uh, for, you know, people who are outraged at this. Um, and uh, one of the things is, I mean, many, many, the number of things we've heard on there, uh, and I'm not even going to deign to give them voice here. But oh, Pete, why don't you give a top three? Because some of them are pretty funny. And everything that's <laughs> on here, you know, it's Star Trek Picard hater bingo. Everything that's there is tongue in cheek in terms of the people who say this are haters. It's not genuine criticism. So give me give me a top three from here, then I'll give a top three. So one is not about space exploration. Okay. Um Discovery is about space exploration. This is about space exploration. So the idea that that's the case is just utter hooey. Uh, I'll give you one. And let's see. Da, 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 da. Picard would never do that. Because, you know, pe <laughs> people can't grow and change. Right. At all. Right. <laughs> How about um, Gene's vision? Because uh, the captain that Gene publicly opposed could never uh not execute a gene's vision in a way that he still despite the nonsense that he put up with behind the scenes that uh uh sir patrick still speaks glowingly of gene roddenberry um let's see how about we go with the simply put and not for lack of space i might add pete because a couple of these are more wordy but there is alex kurtzman bad <laughs> he's he's not that uh a one-time universe head of the more uh monsters universe from universal that got precisely one movie before it was shelved is shepherding star trek is a great thing. Um, I'm going to, for my last one, Matt, I got to go with uh, teeny boppers. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I'm not quite sure what the, because it's that teeny boppers. That might be referring quotes. to some of the cast. It might be referring to what people perceive that CBS is, is attempting to target an audience because, you know, somebody who started watching the next generation at the age of 
12 and myself and you were a couple years younger, like we weren't pulled in by that. I mean, granted, I was already down with the uh, the Star Trek films and had seen a little bit of the TV show in syndication. But like, do you even franchise, bro? Uh, the last one, uh, because I will mention this, Pete, because people bandy this statement around or, or the, the, the two words that end this one. People bandy it around as though it's you know law and order and they're like and here's the proof of guilt pete picard is set in the kelvin timeline because that's how you win arguments you just say kelvin timeline kelvin timeline yeah so the kelvin uh does not exist in this story the events of star trek 2009 on the other universe uh, that being the uh, star in the uh, Romulan system going supernova um, and uh, the effects that have happened. And all of this will be explained, I'm I'm sure, in the pilot uh, in terms of what has happened to the Romulan star empire. And if you've seen some of the clips that CBS has, has put out in terms of uh, – you know, some of the people that Picard is interacting with on a on a regular basis and some gratitude and, and everything there. I mean, look, the the complaints at this point that we are getting at age 79, the return of Sir Patrick to, I would say, beyond argument, his most iconic role um, is a gift. And we should appreciate it as such. <laughs> and I think another gift is. And look, I try and even I try and keep a, a, a spoiler free eye, even you know, in watching the latest uh, commercial. Let me put it this way, Pete: knowing what we know about the main Star Trek universe from Star Trek 09 uh, and the whole destruction of Romulus, etc., I feel like we're prepped to sit and say, "Hey, you know how for TNG the worst baddies were the Borg, but the second worst ones were the Romulans? Oh man, they're in a really bad way. So now the Federation has to." take in refugees because that's what the federation does is help people in need and look to build bridges etc cetera, etc cetera. and the fact that that is going to royally annoy some people is star trek because you're supposed to watch some of these episodes whether it's the 60s the 70s 80s and so forth you're supposed to watch some of these and have a good old-fashioned time because they shoot laser guns or they deal with you know a godlike guy that makes funny things happen and in other episodes, you're meant to say, oh, man, I think they're talking about right now. They're not right. talking about then. They're talking about 1969 civil rights or 2019 refugees or whatever. Hey, it's making me think. And why can't the best of it do both? Um, the best so, of both worlds? <laughs> parts one and two. Uh, and speaking of parts one and two, so they they filmed these 10 episodes uh, in in blocks and uh, we're very, very fortunate that uh, Hanalee Culpepper come over from Discovery starting the pilot and doing the second episode before she turns over to Jonathan Frakes for episodes three and four. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the introduction of the character who is getting second billing on the show, uh, that being Dodge played by Issa Brunones and how 
that's going to really jumpstart the story. I mean, you do not bring Hanalee Culpepper in, somebody known for her ability to capture action, if the story's not going to move around a little bit. And as Sir Patrick has made very, very plain, um, there's a great variety interview out there if you have not read it. Uh, sometimes uh, bending down on some days is a, is a challenge for a, a man of his age and a man who doesn't shy away from the passage of time and, you know, the, the need to portray himself a little bit differently at his age. And I think that in Brignones, you have uh, a character shrouded in mystery, a character we know is is going to be sought after by nefarious forces and uh, confide in the one man she knows has the moral compass and the trustworthiness to seek out. Pete, I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of Jean-Luc Picard is meant to be somebody who has this superior moral compass. And amongst everything else, maybe that is the, that's the, the, the ground zero for this series. It feels increasingly in our times, like, you know, whether it's fractured by 500 different TV shows to watch or fractured by how we view the events of the world, there's not that objective moral compass always. And Darn it if we're not going to get that for 10 weeks in Star Trek Picard from Picard. The second character build, I'm also very much looking forward to another woman to play off Sir Patrick here. And that being Alison Pills, Dr. Agnes Girardi. Yeah, it's it's an interesting experience to look at this list and to try and figure out where things might be headed. Um this notion of her as a doctor, okay, is it a doctor in the traditional Star Trek sense of this is somebody who can, you know, bring people back and say, wait, they can't be brought back until we get the special spray from another planet? Uh, or is her doctoral specialty something more essential to the part? I mean, my goodness, Pete, she could be a doctor of physics. She could be a doctor of history as much as a medical doctor. And and even if she is a medical doctor, it could be specializing in alien pathogens or you know as opposed to kind of a starfleet doctor bottom line pete we will know hopefully know more about dr gerardi in the coming days a character with a longer association with picard that being played by michelle hurd is rafi musiker and uh no stranger to a fantastic geek podcast she uh was in the second season of daredevil pete my uh rather selfish takeaway from rafi musiker is i've been to the vasquez rocks uh park in uh los angeles county uh which has the pointy rocks where kirk fought the gorn and where spock beamed down in star trek 09 and it's been in csi and westworld and everything because it's a county park within the uh, 10 mile zone of Los Angeles, even though it takes 45 minutes to get there. Uh, and the fact that her, 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 you know, home, her base, whatever that one senses is kind of out there in the, in the frontier, whether it's the frontier of earth uh, or another planet, the fact that it's boom, right in front of the biggest rock, the one that looks the one that, you know, literally cork, uh, cork that Kirk fought the Gorn outside of. I can't wait just to kind of have that moment where, it's not just Kirk Gorn. It's also, hey, I stood there too. 
Well, I'm sure they will sell it as a different location here. She, other than Picard, has a longstanding association with uh, Cristobal Rios, played by Santiago Cabrera. And, you know, for as much as for as much as I had said somewhat jokingly and other people have said less jokingly, you know, oh, it's Picard and a bunch of young models, you know. Michelle Hurd uh, in her 50s, 53, Santiago Cabrera, 41. So it's not all young hot models. It's uh, hot people of all ages uh, in this uh, in this show. And I remember seeing Santiago Cabrera, along with all these people, at uh, New York Comic Con. And I just sense that there's, there's a certain weight to this character that I think could really be, uh, could really be enjoyable. So let's talk about a pair of uh, young, hot uh, models. Uh, Pete, do you refer to both uh, Harry Treadaway and Evan Evagora? Yes, and the memification of Evan Gora's Elnor as uh, a member of the cast of the Lord of the Rings films is in full bloom. You know what, Pete? Sometimes when you have a look, when they've already fit you for the ears and the ears already work, you just go from one ear job to the next ear job. Um, but certainly the fact that these two characters are Romulans, uh, I'll just return to my earlier point. I think the notion that uh, to a certain degree, the first season of Next Generation had to be, and again, I don't, I'm not fully leaning into this but the first season of next generation that needed to be all new all different and oh man wait until people are just terrified of these ferengi and then that didn't work and by the end they need to bring back the season needs to be saved by the big romulan threat um as the exterior force as the exterior mystery people i think it behooves this show to have two uh romulan characters uh you know as portrayed by main cast members to really give this suggestion that maybe maybe we're, we, the Federation, aren't going to be uh, hand and glove with whatever's left of the Romulan Star Empire, but the fact that we are working with them and the fact that the notion of us versus them when it comes to Romulans, maybe that has come down a little bit. You know, that's that's a Star Trek moment right there. Well, Matt... We have our legacy characters as well, and uh, Data really needs no introduction here, apart from the fact that people are freaking out that Brent Spiner, who has worn a wig as this character since the 1980s, is wearing a wig. Yeah, I mean, it's the height of uh, selfish fandom and selfish my way or the highway to say I don't understand why Brent Spiner is 70 and looks 70 why can't he go back to being in his 30s the way he was like all right the guy's older the guy's put on some weight the guy's lost hair I don't know what to tell you the fact that you know now in this show wearing a wig and Pete I've seen some of these side-by-side comparisons of like before CG, after CG, now he looks better. And I keep looking at them going, I think I've seen this wrong because I like him the way he looks supposedly pre-CG <laughs> as opposed to after. Like, genuinely, I've looked at it and been like, I don't see what they improved. But, you know, just as, oh man, Data has decided to run the aging algorithm. Like, at a well, certain you took point... The, 
took the words right out of my mouth. If only in this character's quest for humanity that he found a way that it's happened, that uh, he's aged, that he's put on weight, that his appearance has somehow changed. And it's really, really silly that, again, people can't return to this and understand the passage of time in our real world. These are the people who complained about uh, Carrie Fisher's footage in uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I mean, and that that's even to say, Pete, we don't know how data appears in the show i mean uh, the the preview is certainly heavily suggestive that data appears as you know kind of in a dream or in a holodeck or something that's less than real okay there was a quick shot of them opening up the drawer of robot parts talk to me talk to me when they have a a fully assembled soon robot prototype soon android soon android prototype that's meant to have not aged a day and it looks like brent spiner age 70 then maybe there's a bit of a complaint until then you know i imagine it's going to be with story caveats so that it's not this super expensive all cg character where they've de-aged him using avengers endgame budget and technology uh i still wouldn't even preclude a shot or two of something like that but kind of you know set your phasers for proper expectations if there was a character outside of data that spiner really put the kibosh on returning to for so long uh i'd have to say it's seven of nine and jerry ryan here never ever expected we would get this character again on screen and to be able to combine her with uh, Jean-Luc Picard, and then you bring in another former Borg in Jonathan Del Arco's Hugh. I mean, the buzz for this series shot through the roof this summer when those characters were confirmed. Oh, absolutely. And I don't think anybody could have predicted this is a show that's going to have two Romulans and two former Borgs. Uh, let alone to is have it people... Borgs or Borg the the plural? I think I think Borg is is plural. Two former Borg drones. How about that? There you go. Uh, I mean, the fact that you get three of the next generation people coming back, at least confirmed. Uh, I have my suspicions, Pete, that in the final episode uh, when they're back at uh, at uh, Rafi Musaker's uh, home base, there you're going to see. You're going to see, you know, the whole, the whole bridge crew, maybe you'll even see some whoopee, although I'm not going to commit to whoopee at this time. Um, well, well, wait, wait, the, the photos of the cast, uh, at red carpets have surfaced and there's one who keeps making the red carpet. And that's usually a dead giveaway for this is, this is more than let's bring this character out, you know, a fan favorite. Bottom line is to get back these Borg drone characters. Uh, I mean, obviously that has us tipping towards a brone, a brone, a Borg uh, drone story, a Borg story as well. Um, Which on the one hand, does it kind of hit the center of the target in terms of Star Trek next generation Borg? You know, I'm willing to see where it goes. And certainly I don't know where this galaxy is up to this portion of the galaxy is up to with a post Romulus 
post question mark Borg uh, existence. Um, I mean, certainly, if nothing else, you need some external bad force. You want to make it the Borg? Eh, okay. You know, it's 10 episodes. It's not an open-ended 179-episode series. We knew that Frakes was going to direct and wasn't far behind that he would take a role here in a recurring uh, way. But for Marina Sirtis to return and I think added emphasis now, the woman just lost her husband quite suddenly in the last month. And she's been the good trooper out there. She was at the premiere. Um, can't tell you enough. We have been extra close to these two actors here uh, in New Jersey. And, Physically, uh, not emotionally. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> in terms of proximity. Um, and, uh, you know, really overjoyed to see them uh, partake in these proceedings. The notion uh, that she would not pay for Star Trek on this streamer uh, the notion that she was out there with quotes saying there were only ever two Star Trek shows worth watching, Next Generation and Classic Trek. Uh, I guess she backed off both of those when CBS said, we will pay you a lot of money to play Deanna Troy again. Also, Pete, I do want to say, at least at the London premiere, when Patrick Stewart uh, saw Ian McKellen and they embraced and whatnot, Ian McKellen uh, apparently was in the process of going through his swag bag. And I have good news, at least internationally people got those swag bags for amazon prime they got some free prime access so can't someone please arrange for marina sirtis to get some prime access for her in london so that she can watch this show without paying for it because she's deeply opposed to any star trek that's not on a conventional uh way of watching it i think she'll be okay so, Matt, I think it's time to talk about some predictions for the show and what we expect. I expect the show to sparingly but lovingly dole out nostalgia and these nostalgia characters. If we look at uh, both seasons of Discovery, I think they nail it in terms of making sure that the new thing is standing on its own. Uh, while still circling back, you know, we circle back a bit more ostensibly in um, season two of Star Trek Discovery, but maybe not as much as you think. You know, we don't see the Enterprise bridge until the, you know, the last maybe three, certainly two episodes uh, of Discovery. So they really have a sense of giving you the tingle without saying, forget this new thing. Let's just do reruns of the old thing. Uh, on top of that, this notion that it's kind of, you know, one last important mission for Picard and he's kind of semi off grid for it. And the fact that there is cooperation from, you know, Federation stalwarts, Starfleet stalwarts like Admiral Picard, Romulans, former Borgs, people kind of at the edge of the Federation in terms of, you know, Rafi Musker and and uh, Chris Rios and things like that who've had their troubles in the past. I think it's a great combination for a new Star Trek show in 2019. You go back to those next gen episodes now, and some of them, some of them haven't aged wonderfully. It's not because of the acting or the writing uh, of the individual episode or the effects. It's just the way TV has moved on, and I think this show has moved on with it a bit. 
will we see not the Enterprise D, which we were shown a quick clip of, and that probably has something to do with uh, one of the dream sequences or the flashbacks. Will we see a current Enterprise? I think not only will we see a current Enterprise, that would be an F, Enterprise F. I hope, Pete, that we will see Will Wheaton uh, in the show. Uh, people may have heard that he's hosting the after show. Cruel irony, Pete. Season one Discovery post-show guy, Matt Myra, had Will Wheaton at his wedding, and now Will Wheaton has taken the dream job away from Matt Myra after he was unceremoniously removed for a show that was poorly produced and not because of Myra's fault. But Will Wheaton, Enterprise F. Pete, I'm going to guess Enterprise F last three minutes at most of episode 110. Uh, I'm going to hold you to that. What is the identity of Dodge? Is she a Borg? Is she a data slash lol uh, type of android? Is she a Romulan? Is she secret granddaughter? Uh, I'm going to say no secret granddaughter. I'm going to say yellow alert on her as a Soong type android i think we have romulans around we have borgs to show up i think if we again if we just look at the landscape of the federation at least where we think it is the romulans aren't the big concern borg concern can remain evergreen so i think maybe she's going to have come from the outer edges maybe foretelling a return of the return of the return of the Borg, which I know is not my favorite tool in the Star Trek toolbox, but they also return to it because it works pretty well. What is the nature of the Borg's involvement in this story? I think that it can't be totally upfront in the first half. Um, again, kind of using the two seasons of Discovery as a template. Uh, season one had more of a clear delineation between part one and part two, part one being a bit bigger. Uh, season two of Discovery ostensibly wasn't as clearly delineated, but it was just in terms of the search for Spock slash the search for Spock to be okay being part one. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the big conspiracy tearing apart Starfleet being the second half. They were just integrated a bit better. I think if you're going to say, oh, no, the Borg have returned, that would be an awesome 105 kind of moment halfway through the season to say, you know, a cube has just warped in uh, outside Neptune or something like that. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's a bit on the nose, by the way, to take it back to 001. Uh, but I would say Borg are more that the Borg foot is metaphorically on the gas more in the second half of the season. How will the ratings be? Well, Pete, I think the show has already made a profit because it got sold to Amazon. And I think we're going to play these games of, uh, I say games, before we started to roll uh, on this podcast, Pete, I was talking about the true semantic games that Netflix plays and how I think that might get Netflix into you know real trouble down the line. Um, All Access doesn't talk numbers. They kind of talk in vague platitudes like biggest upswing in subscriptions 
and things like that, I think that they are going to claim victory. Uh, I don't know how much I count some of these third-party things like social media mentions and things like that, but I think I think we're going to get to the second half of February and the articles are going to be written, oh, look, as near as we can tell, Picard did 75% of the audience of The Mandalorian. Picard did uh, 45% what Stranger Things Season 3 did. And, you know, those being two really high watermarks. And I think this show is going to walk away from those comparisons looking pretty good. Well, Matt, we are certainly looking forward to podcasting this. Can't wait to be able to live tweet it with you or or interact, certainly, and then uh, podcast it on Saturday the 25th. Uh, Don't forget that you can uh, be part of our rating review raffle. Uh, on Apple Podcasts, we need your ratings, takes seconds. We need your reviews, takes a little bit more. And you will be eligible to win a special Think Geek exclusive Picard Face Palm Bust. You're certainly going to want to win this. Um, and we will be picking that during our second episode podcast, which will be available on Saturday, February 1st. So you have until then to leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. Yes, certainly exciting times as we head towards that reward. And speaking of rewards, Pete, I know we have many, many more on our Patreon page and our whole podcasting venture made possible by those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. Just put a super special one up there the other day. All cost you is a dollar a month to get through that door. And it'll close behind you. Don't tell anybody what you see inside. Or tell them and they can go and get in there. But you help us immeasurably towards... Uh, all that we do across 19 podcast feeds, all that storage, all that bandwidth. And then uh, if you can't contribute just now, that's where helping us out on the Apple Podcasts uh, front, getting potentially a reward out of it is uh, your second best bet. Pete, how can people be in touch with you on Twitter to talk about Star Trek Picard? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-11,077. K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-11,077. Followers can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter's Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But we Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with PH on one word. Like it today. Pete, we will be back on Saturday to talk Star Trek Picard. Can't wait to beam into this episode. For now, though, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. I may never pass this way again. <laughs>